Thanks, Jacqueline. Boy, if you've never had the pleasure of having Jacqueline pray for you personally, I'd like to personally put her business card up there on the screen. It's awesome. Well, good morning. Uh, one quick note before we jump in. Uh, normally, you see um, someone over here uh, uh, signing for our deaf community. Um, our uh, ASL interpreter is uh, taking a short hiatus in Burundi for a month. Uh, so we prayed for them last week. So we will not be having ASL here for the next four weeks. But um, the deaf community, has already, we've already communicated with them, with you that uh, afterwards they can watch and all the text will be on the screen so we get to continue to share with them. Look forward to when we can all be back together. I look forward to when we can all be back together. Who is tired of a pandemic? I'm tired of a pandemic. Okay. It's uh, November the 8th, 2020. feel like a news reporter. And uh, five days since the election in the United States of America. I want to read three scriptures. Um, believe it or not, without comment, and then pray, and then we will jump into our text this morning, 1 John 4 and 5. Beginning this morning, Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Those are the easy ones. Romans 12, starting with verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who, who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. God, I thank you that every command you have given us in the Scripture by the Holy Spirit, you have granted power by that same Holy Spirit, to obey. So God, we ask for strength and grace to obey and to walk in a way of love and peace in this world that uh, the world around us would know that, Father God, you have sent your Son to die for us and for them and that love conquers all. God, we thank you for your grace 
on us as a people. We ask, Lord, now that as we look at these scriptures, that you would uh, come by the Holy Spirit. I ask for facility in my words and uh, in our minds, and that, Holy Spirit, you would do a deep, long-lasting and fruitful work in our hearts, that we might walk out of this place or leave this screen or this time of listening more like Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And we pray in his name. Amen. All right. I'm only going to say one other political thing today. It'll be up to you to figure out when I've said it. Isn't that like a fun game? Like, a, you know, <laughs> somebody gave me a hearty laugh. I really appreciate that. Uh, we've got a long passage to go through this morning. I encourage you, uh, flip to, open, turn on, whatever, however you have to get to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in 1 John 4, 7. We're going to read all the way to chapter 5, verse 5. But I'm not going to read it in one fell swoop. I'm going to read it section by section, and I'm going to make some comments. Um, my purpose, my desire this morning is to make few comments, but to pose some questions some what-if questions at a couple of uh, sections in this passage. If you want to understand the big overarching theme this morning, I'm looking at love, specifically um, the, uh, the evidence of love, the power of love, the results of love, the proof of love, the, our access to love. And we're going to talk about faith in the end and how faith connects us with love. But what I'd love for you to do is listen to the scriptures as I read and, uh, and the comments. And then as I ask the what-if questions, recognize that every what-if question that I answer, that I ask this morning, is a true statement about you if you're in Christ. But rather than just declare truth, I, I felt like maybe it was just for me. I felt like it would be better to step back so we can take a more objective look at these truths about us, these things are either true about you or they're potentially true about you in Christ. And so to, put, to pose them in questions, I'm asking you to interact with the Spirit of God within you to answer these questions this morning. I'll start with 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I learned this in a song, but I'm not going to sing it. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, somebody's got that song going through their head right now. <laughs> Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is the origin of love. If you're taking notes, that's the first one. This is the origin of love. The most important command given by Jesus and the most powerful force in the world, the most powerful force in the world, the love of God. It's love in and through our lives that proves who our Father is. It's, it's our loving action in the world that shows where we come from. I'm not talking about family lineage. I'm talking about family lineage. I'm talking about our adopted Father and the transfusion of heavenly blood that's been given us because we're in Christ. When we love in the world, man, I think especially when we love our enemies out there, we show who we come from. We, re we reveal to the world who our Father is. 
Because he says real clearly, if you don't love, you don't know God. Because God is love. God is love. What, what uh, communicates the complete nature of God is love. He's holy, he's just, he's righteous. But what, what perfectly epitomizes all of those aspects of him is love. God is love. Important note, maybe these days, for us just to remember, love is not God. <laughs> Do you see how that could mess you up a little bit? God is love, and so in God, we're going to love. Love is not God. We don't worship at the feet of human love. We worship love incarnate. We worship Jesus. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, love incarnate, love incarnate incarnates in us and walks itself out into a real demonstration of the, the sacrificial care, compassion of Jesus through our lives to other people. God's the origin of love, and I, I just love it that in this passage, 1 John 4, 19, we see that we love only because God first loved us. You can't give what you don't have. You got to get love before you can give love. But uh, Paul makes it real practical. Romans 5, 5, he says, hope, he's talking about hope, hope does not disappoint. In other words, what it is that you're longing for that desire God put in your heart for eternity and all the things associated with it doesn't disappoint. Why? Because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. God's the origin of love. He is love. He, distribu he distributes it to us and we become distributors. He pushes it on us and we become pushers in the best possible way. We push with love and compassion the love of God on people. So here's a question. What if the world around me, I'm just, I'm just doing it personally, but insert your own me in there. What if the world around me saw my heavenly father in every one of my words and every one of my actions? What if the work that I walk into tomorrow happens to be here. The neighborhood I go back to, the restaurant that I frequent, the grocery store, what if the world saw in me, in every one of my words, and every one of my actions, my Heavenly Father? What if the world saw God when they saw me? Imagine being pressed or pushed or crushed in the world, and love oozing out of you. That's too gory for you? I, that I like. I just think, God, if the world's going to press or crush or smash me, I long for love to ooze out. That's what happened on the cross. The origin of love. 1 John 4, 9 to 13. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, 
and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. This is the proof of love. This is the proof of love. God sent his son, his one and only son. God incarnate came to earth and gave himself for us to show us what does love look like. To show us that love doesn't look just like a nice present on Christmas under the tree or just $40 for those who are in need. Those are great expressions of love. But the scripture says, you want to know what love is, this is it. Utter sacrifice. Complete self-giving. Nothing held back. That's how God chose to show us the proof of his love. The proof of God alive in me is when I love another person. Love is made complete in me. The word means whole. Um, the, it, the word's teleos there, which actually, you know, we get our word telescope. It's like everything to which something has been purposed for its full intended good. Love is made teleos. Love is made complete in us. How? When? When we love another. When we give ourselves to another. When we, when we pour ourselves out. When I give myself my rights, my wants, my, you get it, in personal sacrifice for another person, love is proven in the world. What if the world could see God in my love for my neighbor? And let's just choose the neighbor that you like the least. Everyone got that one in their mind? Okay, push it away. Be calm. What if the world, including that neighbor, could see God, my father, the one who loved and gave his son for me, in me when I interact with them? What if my neighbor could see God when they interacted with me? That's not just a possibility. That's a promise from God. That's our birthright as believers walking in the Spirit. That's the proof of love. 1 John 4, 14 and 15. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. That's a big one for me. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you've read that verse because that's on the bottom of my email. That's a big one for me. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love, parentheses, in case you didn't get it four verses ago. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Faith is my access to God and therefore my access to love. Faith, simple acknowledgement that Jesus is king in my life, belief in Jesus, who he was, what he did, how he conquered death, simple faith in Jesus is my access to God, the one who created all things, and therefore my access to love. 
you know, you want to know how to become more loving, to experience more love. I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it's simple. Acknowledge Jesus. In all things, acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus conquers all. Jesus will redeem all things. And love begins to build and bubble within us. Faith in Christ means God lives in me and I live in God. I mean, he says it so many different ways. In 1 John, it's kind of like he, I mean, even the commentators say, he just kind of, he talks around in circles, you know? It's like John's in his own personal love fest with Jesus because he is. And he just, he just wraps us in this circle of love. It all comes back. It all comes back to love. But if you think about that, what does it mean? When I walk in love, that means God lives in me and I live in him. That is a different reality than most of us probably normally think about when we get in the car at 7.30 to drive to work or get home, whatever time that might be. We receive love by believing in the lover. We, we encounter love when we encounter the lover. This is not just a mental thing. I'm, I'm trying not to give an intellectual um, message about love. I'm trying to push and urge and compel and make you maybe in a, in a heavenly way a little jealous to know this love. Because we receive love when we get to know the lover of our souls. Once received, love becomes our wisdom and our power. Do you see me running through my head? <laughs> once received, once we encounter the love of God, love becomes our wisdom and love becomes our power. I'm not saying that strategy and discernment and all those things aren't hugely important and valuable in the world, but nothing is over love as the wisdom and the power of our lives. Love is our power source, and love is our wisdom. When you wonder, you know, what should I do in this situation? How should I act? What should I say? How should I respond? I feel pressed. I feel tempted. What would love do? What would love do? What would love look like right here? What if I really did know, and a and the, the biblical word there for know is know in the biblical sense. This is a Hebrew idiom for sexual intercourse. So written in Greek. That's what they're talking about. To know. I mean to know. To encounter love. What if I really did know love? What if I really did encounter God like that? What if I abandoned all my fears and let go of all my pretense and surrendered myself to love what might be born in me. What if I really did rely on, Scripture says, so we know and we, re we rely on the, the love that God has for us. What if I really did? What if I really did? I mean, what if I really did rely on not my strategy, my wisdom, my training, even other people, but on the love that God has for me. When you woke up this morning, 
you were either relieved, excited, happy, and confident, in which case you should look to Jesus. Or you were sad, angry, and scared, in which case you should look to Jesus. Because what we rely on, this is the political part, because what we rely on as citizens of a heavenly kingdom is the love of God for us. It is our wisdom. It is our power. It's what marks us out in the world. It's what changed the world once. It's what will bring all things to rights once and for all when Jesus returns. There is no other king but Jesus. And those who follow him will walk in love. Period. Done. It's in the Bible. To rely on anything other than the love of God is a promise of disappointment. Even when I wrote that down, I thought, that's terrible. And then I thought, oh, it's true. To rely on anything else but God's love for me in its fullest, most complete sense is a guarantee of disappointment. And we've all been there, right? We've all done that. My life of love reveals God, that God lives in me and that I live in God, or not. 1 John 4, 17 to 21. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the result of love. And to me, in that passage, there's a lot there. But to me, the result of love is, is at least these two things. Confidence is imparted and fear is expelled. What's the result of love in the world, in my life, in the church, in the nation, wherever Jesus is named as King and Lord? What's the result? Confidence is imparted and fear is expelled. What if I allowed love to have his way in me? What if I allowed love to have his way in me so that I lived in humble confidence and fearless boldness every single day? Can you just imagine? I'm staying in the screen here. See this? Can you just imagine for a moment of a day when you walk in perfect, humble confidence before God and before man. Just imagine that. Just blew my mind. Humble confidence, not my strong suit. And what would it look like to walk in the world with fearless 
confidence. Fearless. If, if confidence is imparted by the love of God, and if fear is expelled, then if I'm in God, born of God, know God, have God's love in me, have been transformed by love, I can walk in the confidence of Jesus. Humble, but certain. And in the courage of Jesus. Fearless, but dependent. Fearless, but dependent. And some have, I mean, even as I said it, I thought, well, isn't that what makes you afraid, is that you depend <laughs> on someone, something that you don't know if it's going to work? But when we're relying on the love that God has for us, there's never a chance that it's not going to work. I can't remember the author. I read it in some book this last week. God does not know how to be absent. His job description is presence, and he's really good at it. What if fear was expelled by love in my life? What if I allowed love to change and to lead me from this day forward? What if love had its way in me for everyone to see? What if all the fear fell off of us because love exploded within? His, this would be a wild place, and I think we're called to be a wild place. Wild lovers. 1 John 5, 1-5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. You didn't think John was going to get through 15 sentences without talking about obedience. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. What? His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. John's on a trip right now. Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So in just a few minutes, 20 minutes or so, we've seen the origin of love, God himself. We've seen the proof of love, the sacrifice of Jesus, complete surrender to the will of God. We've seen our access to love, which is simple faith in Jesus, God incarnate. And we've seen the result of love, confidence and fearlessness. And now, we see the power of love. All who believe Jesus is Lord are born of God. So you're sitting here, you're watching today, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus came in the flesh. He died for me. I'm born of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a different human than, than, than came forth from my mother's womb. I am now a child of heaven. And anyone born of God that is born of love overcomes the world. Just some fun with Greek. Anybody knows, knows what that word is to overcome? Anybody? Jim? Anybody? Nikao. You know where, what word we get from nikao for overcomer? Nike. 
Yeah. That's the word, nikao, the the victorious one, the one who overcomes the world is the one that's been born of God, the one that's been born of love. It's you. It's, It's you. It's me. I'm the one who overcomes the world. You've been looking for him? He's here. And he's right there, sitting in your seat. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And literally in, the, in the, uh, the Greek text here, it's two words. It's nakao, and then it's a, uh, it's a, um, that's the verb form, and then there's a noun form of the same word. It's basically, he's saying, this is the victory that does victorious things. This is the overcomer that overcomes. This is the Nike that Nikes the world. That's what he's saying. It, this, is, this is you. I mean, we are all about Jesus in this place. But when we get to this passage, we realize that Jesus says, I'm in you. Jesus says, I've overcome the world, so don't be afraid. But John's saying, oh, and he's in you. You've overcome the world. Who is it that overcomes the world? It's the one that believes in Jesus. Not by our own might or our own wisdom, but by our faith in the one who has all the power and who has all the wisdom and who is love incarnate. That's how we overcome the world. To overcome the world is not to say that there's no temptation, (laughs) right? It's not to say that it's all easy, but to overcome the world is to say no to temptation and to say yes to obedience. And John has the gall at 90-whatever years old when he's writing this to say, you know what, in the commands of Jesus, they're not burdensome. They're not a heavy load. It's like John saying, it's not that hard. Why can he say that? He can say that because his love has changed our family of origin. God's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He can say that because he says, I know God's love. He can say that because he says, I rely on God's love in the world. If something in the world is causing you fear right now, you can know that perfect love is reliable in every place in the world. I can rely on that love to be what I'm truly seeking in my sin. Just think about that for a minute. I mean, there's a, there's a proverb, I can't remember where it is. It's in Proverbs. And it says that what a man wants is unfailing love. It's like what our deepest desire, what we're really looking for is unconditional love. And it's in God, Right? We know that. We know that in our head. Do we realize that when we go to sin, we're looking for love? And could we recognize? And what would happen if we recognized and began to walk out the reality that love will be for me what I'm truly looking for in my sin? There's got to be a program we could, an app or something we could download. Like, okay, You know, when I start getting tempted, I just want to know, what am I really looking for? I'm looking for love. That's disappointment. Oh, I know where love comes from. That's why one of my favorite verses I give to a lot of men. I'm not saying women don't deal with temptation, but I talk to a lot of men who deal with a certain kind of temptation. And I say, here's my favorite verse. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And if he believes in me, simple faith, 
As the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I say to men, because it changed my life, you know, when you're looking for something to satisfy, if it's less than Jesus, it's not going to do it. Which means that at any time we are tempted, man, woman, child, whoever you are, that the, the way of escape is there and the way of love is open to us. That's just reality. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying it's true. What if you're the one who overcomes the world? What if your faith is the daily victory? What if by your simple faith you are an overcomer? What if we overcome the world like Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection? To overcome doesn't mean that there's not going to be pain or failure or disappointment or sadness. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus overcame the world, but look at the life of Jesus. Obscurity for a long time, that's what overcomers live in. That's what Jesus did. Jesus learned obedience through suffering, that's what overcomers do. Hebrews 5, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God, even though Jesus was God's son. This is in the Bible, Hebrews 5. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. I know that's not your favorite memory verse. Might be a good one. Add it into the queue. What did the overcoming life of Jesus look like? Misunderstanding from a lot of people, including his best friends, without anxiety and often without any explanation. Very rarely does Jesus say, well, wait, 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 you misunderstood. Let me explain. I mean, they, they have, the disciples have to come to him like, Jesus, you look like a whack job. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. Bad marketing. What did the overcoming life of Jesus look like? Deep personal friendship followed by betrayal and forgiveness. What else did it look like? Joy above all his peers. Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, speaking of Jesus, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. While learning obedience through suffering, Jesus was more joyful than any other human. What the heck? What the heaven? That is God's invitation to us. What if we assessed our lives by the life of Jesus? 1 John 4, 17, in this world we are like Jesus. Now that's a favorite Bible verse, right? In this world, we are like Jesus. No fear, full confidence, complete trust. Jesus was scandalous in the way he loved people. He was reckless with his mercy. He was reckless. He just, whew, mercy to anyone who would believe and set down their pride. Willing to die for sinners, even enemies, Jesus revealed the true nature of God the Father simply by living his life as a beloved son. 
Jesus knew God's love by living his life in God's presence and radical obedience, even obedience that took him to death on a cross. Somehow Jesus delighted in surrender to God, knowing that surrender meant perfect love would be communicated. He was without fear before man and God. And the faith of Jesus, if you think about it from the perspective of eternity, the faith of Jesus was the victory over the world even as he gave his life for the sake of the world. And it's this life in us, his life in us, lived by simple faith that overcomes the world. We are the overcomers because of our simple faith in the one who has overcome all. So, Lynn, if you could come forward. And my final question before we have some time to just listen and pray and take communion is what in your world needs to be overcome? I mean, let's not shoot small here. What in your world needs to be overcome? What in your life has not been dipped in the love of God? Is there something in your life that needs to get a a baptism of love today? Is there something you're holding on to, desperately thinking, this time it will work? When Jesus is saying, surrender is what works. When you let go, you get all. I mean, that's the upside-down nature of the kingdom. Jesus said, if you want to get your life, you've got to give it away. What in my world needs to be overcome this day? Let's take um, 30 or 40 seconds. Just close your eyes, open your hands. Let me pray, and then I'll have some time of silence. Get your communion things ready. Jesus, perfect love. Show us, real practically, right here, this moment, this day, what needs to be overcome in our lives. God, what do we need to surrender to you so that we can know and rely on the love that you have for us? Holy Spirit, will you speak to us now? take your communion elements 
I know that this is just a plastic cup with some juice and a disgusting wafer. But in the economy of God, this is the body and blood of Christ revealed for us. This is our access to God the Father, to his love and to the power of the Holy Spirit. we prepare to take the elements Revelation 12 11 this is John writing you know his big one this is John talking about the end of all things talking about those who were able to overcome talking about us in that day and the scripture says they triumphed over him that's the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The death of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, is our testimony. It's what empowers us to go into the world with God's love and His power. It's our wisdom. It's our way. So take now, remembering that this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of the Lamb cleansing you from all sin. As we close today, I just, if, if you're in the room, let's stand. If you're here and you, you feel you want to respond to God in some practical way, I just ask you to, to walk forward. There's no pressure doesn't matter who comes, who doesn't. But if God's calling you to respond in some way, I think it's sometimes good to put feet to respond. So I just ask you to come forward. And you can stand or you can kneel in the front. And then I'll ask the ministry team to come and to pray for anyone up here who's interacting with God. Jesus, we come to you. You are love incarnate. And we long to know and to rely on the love that you have for us. And to walk in that faith, which is the victory in this world. Holy Spirit, do your work among us. Touch us change us, empower us, center us again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I could ask the ministry team to come forward and anyone who would like someone to pray for them, you're welcome to come. Remind you, uh, we'll gather again tonight at six o'clock to worship and to uh, surrender ourselves once again to God's love. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.